Before we get started, a quick warning, there's some swearing in this episode. When I was growing up, my family was very into a particular kind of reality TV. Competition shows. On Sunday night, it was The Amazing Race, where teams scoured the globe in the largest scavenger hunt in history. Then on Tuesday, it was American Idol. Some nights it seemed like there were different competition shows playing on every TV in the house. My dad in one room watching Big Brother, me and my actual brother in the other room watching Fear Factor. Honestly, some of the best memories I have of my family growing up are when we would all sit down and watch Survivor. As a kid in suburban Florida, my world was kind of small. I didn't travel much, I didn't have a ton of crazy experiences. But watching competition shows, a bigger, higher stakes world felt more within reach. You could pray with Buddhist monks in the mountains of Tibet, or sing Black Velvet to Pala Abdul in front of an audience of millions. It was exciting. I wanted to be a part of it. When I decided to ride Startup Bus this past summer, I thought I'd be reporting on a hackathon. I'd find one person going through something interesting, and we'd just see how their week played out. Pretty simple. But when I woke up in a hotel in Raleigh, North Carolina that Tuesday morning, and I saw a giant startup bus decal on the charter coach outside my window, I had this realization that would have thrilled my younger self to no end. Holy shit. I'm not just reporting a story about a hackathon. I have landed inside a real-life competition show. Welcome to Startup, the show about what it's really like to start a business. I'm Eric Mennel. It's Tuesday, day two of our five-day trip on Startup Bus, where a bunch of strangers launch businesses from scratch on a bus. If you didn't catch our first episode yesterday, you should definitely go back and listen so you know what is even going on here. I'm riding from New York to New Orleans and betting with three of the teams on this bus. There's Denari, a Bitcoin GoFundMe app. Can you do this in three days? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, we can at least build up a... <laughs> There's Daisy, a website to help people plan funerals. Because death is uncomfortable, nobody likes to deal with it. And then there's Fishly, an app to stop people from stealing your sensitive data. And you may not think there's a lot in common between my mother and John Podesta, but there's one big thing, which is they've both been fished. Yesterday on the bus, I was very caught up in all the personal drama playing out. People were arguing, scrambling to come up with ideas. But now we're 24 hours in, and I have this pretty simple question. One that's key to any good competition show. Who's winning? Who's in the lead? So that's what I'm trying to assess this morning. First, there's Denari, the blockchain GoFundMe team. I spent a lot of time with Denari yesterday, and put simply, things were a mess. They spent most of the day just coming up with a workable idea, even shouting at each other about it. We need to be more direct. I am very direct. I was very direct. But this morning, when I find them outside a coffee shop near the state capitol building, things seem to have turned around. They work through the night, and now everyone is dialed in. They're all on the same page. We just snagged our Twitter handle. This is Colleen Wong, a 23-year-old who just quit her consulting job. She and her teammate, Ann Gale, have been setting up the company's social media presence. What's, what's it going to be? Denari Give. Um, let me create the Facebook page. Want to hear something beautiful? Yeah. And this is Parker McCurley, another member of Denari, who, I gotta say, at least in terms of charisma, bears more than a passing resemblance to T.J. Miller's character from Silicon Valley. 
Denari is the world's first truly international direct giving platform. Hell yeah. Wow. Aviato. One of the teams I didn't spend as much time with yesterday was Fishly, the fishing app. To be honest, Fishly struck me as sort of the class clowns of the bus. The team is a bunch of young guys, they're all pretty goofy. They sit all the way in the back of the bus, like it's middle school and that's the cool place to be. And don't get me wrong, they seem like they're having a lot of fun. But they had a messy pitch in DC yesterday, and I just don't know how seriously to take them at this point. That is until we get back on the bus. It's about 9am and we're heading west. To get the day started, each team sends one person to the front of the bus to practice their pitch over the intercom. This is something that happens a lot on Startup Bus. People are practicing their pitches constantly. Good morning. When it's Fishley's turn, they send up Kareem El-Gamel. Kareem is in his late 20s, boyishly handsome. He's kind of got this Stefan or Kel Family Matters vibe to him. My parents are new to the internet, and as many of you may know, it's so hard to train them on how to prevent and detect any social engineering attacks. After doing some research, quickly realized that companies also face the same problem. And that was the birth of Fishley. Kareem moved to the U.S. from Cairo in 2012. He was actually protesting in Tahrir Square right before he got his first job offer here in the States, working for a hotel. He works for a tech firm now, but he really wants to start his own company, which is why he's here on the bus. Fishly is a very intuitive and easy-to-use platform. And his pitch goes really well, far better than any of Fishley's other pitches so far. Thank you so much. Nice. All of a sudden, this group of goofballs looks like they are actually in really great shape. This is part of what makes figuring out who's ahead on Startup Bus so difficult. Over the course of just a few hours, you can go from stumbling along to being the only team on the bus with a coherent product. The reverse can also be true. A few rows away, I can hear some raised voices. It's Team Daisy, the funeral planning app. There's trouble. Now, yesterday I would have put Daisy on solid ground. They had a great pitch in DC. There were no major problems, no drama. But today they're struggling to find their momentum. And now they're arguing. Like what changed? I did research. And what research did you show that that? We'll look at the file. Two team members, Rebecca and Cal, can't agree on who their funeral app is actually for. These funeral homes aren't getting value from being on our side. It's not about the funeral homes. It's about the consumer who whose process is but, simplified. Okay. I'm trying to make a story to convince investors to invest in the company. No, no, but that wasn't your job. That's Colleen Lavin, the woman who pitched Daisy initially. Apparently, Cal was supposed to call some funeral directors yesterday and get feedback on Daisy. He says he tried calling, but nobody answered. Your job was to have a five-minute conversation with one funeral home and then get us all of that stuff based on it. Th- those were your tasks before time, remember? Like, okay. I... Who's re- deciding who's, like... No, we, we, we agreed on it. We agreed on that. We all okay. agreed. That's why we over to John. How are we making money? We're not like we're not offering right. any value so, to the investors or to the funeral homes right off the bat. They are not our target. Talk to your funeral home. Like, isn't that what you've been wanting to do? They've spent half an hour arguing as the teams around them pushed ahead. When they finally do reach a conclusion, Rebecca and Cal decide they need some space. So Cal gets up and he moves across the aisle. Two seats over.
Two hours pass, almost entirely on the interstate. And then, in the distance, tall buildings come into view. Madalena, the conductor, gets on the intercom. On the right is Charlotte, North Carolina. The place where they care too much about who's using the bathrooms. It's time for the day's main pit stop, a co-working space in Charlotte. Just like in D.C., a bunch of local startup folks are here to weigh in on the team's pitches. Only this time, there's a curveball. Oh wait, there's another bus here? As we pull into the parking lot, there are already two other buses parked there. Madalena, who has clearly set this all up, feigns surprise. Are they doing startups too? Remember how there are six startup buses across the country all headed to New Orleans? Well, it turns out the buses from Akron, Ohio and Tampa, Florida are also in Charlotte today. And for this round of pitches, they'll all be up against each other. That question I had earlier this morning about who's winning, that looks to have gotten a lot more complicated now. Now, at first glance, the Tampa bus looks like it spent the night in Margaritaville. They've drawn their company names and little messages all over the side of the bus using those car-safe markers. But their energy is really high. They seem focused and enthusiastic. And the Ohio bus is impressive in its own way. It turns out they teamed up with some people from San Francisco, and they're manufacturing physical products. So they have 3D printers and computer-aided design software. The whole thing feels like that scene in The Sandlot, when the other team shows up in their actual jerseys and matching Converse sneakers. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, this is some real competition. All right. Welcome, everybody. Long last. We're about to start. Okay. The pitches are happening in a back room. There's a concrete floor and folding chairs set up for about 100 people. The audience for this round works in the building full time, running their own companies. Each team is going to come up and do a two-minute pitch. One of the pitches from the Ohio bus is a company called Sea Searcher. It's a rescue robot that can locate and dive for victims underwater before they drown. The guy making the pitch is a tall, burly paramedic who rescues drowning victims for a living. And boy, does he know how to grab an audience. Last week I watched a 21-year-old man drown because I didn't have the time, the resources, or the technology to get in there and save him in time. Our team of designers, engineers, Researchers and first responders like myself have created a tow-behind underwater device that could drastically reduce the time it takes to locate, identify, and rescue a victim. There are other ideas that feel a little wilder. Yetigram, for example, is a website that helps you send, wait for it, singing telegrams. As a reporter, I would call this moment both a gift and an experience. One of the teams that to me seems the most promising is this team from Tampa called Corsaline. So we've been doing a ton of research and we've noticed that universities are not preparing students adequately to get jobs. Corsaline is software to help universities match the courses they offer with the jobs available in the market. It's being run by these two guys, Robert Blackledge and Trey Steinhoff. Robert and Trey just met yesterday, and they might be the fastest friends I've ever met. It's kind of charming. I talked to them right before their pitch. I don't know, like, how's the team gelling? Like, how's it been working together? It was incredible. We had, we had the road running. I mean, with a lot of startups, there's that 
you know, initial get to know you, we skipped right over that. Within the first hour, we already had pivoted two or three times. It was incredible. Like, yes, validated, validated, validated. Like, it's just been an incredible roller coaster ride. I mean, you're talking about it like you just went on the best date of your life. (laughs) I think that the hardest part of these competitions is that first bit when you realize that your idea is not as good as you thought it was and you have to like justify what you're doing and so many teams fall apart in that part of the process we just parted right through that robert and trey very on top of things it's a world of difference from any of the teams on the new york bus when it's daisy's turn to pitch the rest of the new york teams gather to cheer them on the team sends up Colleen Lavin, the 24-year-old developer who, you might remember, is a hack elite. She competes in a bunch of hackathons every year. While Daisy was her idea originally, she hasn't actually had to do this pitch on her own yet. And just a couple of hours ago, her team was still arguing about who the site was even for. So given all that, this pitch feels like it could go either way. Hi, I'm Colleen, and I'm here today to talk about everyone's favorite topic. Dead! <laughs> We're all human. We love humans. And we're all going to die. So we're all going to probably have to deal with the horrific circus that is planning a funeral. It's smart. And people are really paying attention. The mood is good. The whole thing lasts about two minutes. She's even got a great kicker lined up for the end. And with no major competitors, Daisy is poised to kill it. The pitching wraps up, and everyone heads to the brewery next door to grab a drink. This was just a practice round, but it does seem like it shifted the mood of the bus. All of a sudden, there's a camaraderie. Two guys from Fishley, Devon and Alex, are at a table holding court with the other New Yorkers. I think all the ideas on our bus, I think they have the potential like, to, once we finish, to move on and actually create these businesses. New York is forged in the concrete jungle. So only the best comes out of there. (laughs) Walking into Charlotte, I had the sense that it was Daisy versus Denari versus Fishley. But walking away, it feels bigger than that. Colleen Lavin would later tell me that the support from the other teams on their bus was really nice and surprising. It made it feel less like New York versus New York and more like New York versus the world. back on the bus. We're on the road for another hour, and then another. It's all strip malls and tobacco shops. I think we're heading west. It's hard to tell. At some point, the internet starts to give out. The strip malls recede into the distance. The telephone poles are replaced by poplar trees, and we start to climb. And where we're driving right now is the Blue Ridge Parkway. The Blue Ridge Parkway is a highway that roughly follows the Appalachian Trail through parts of North Carolina and Virginia. It's more than 450 miles long, the longest linear park in the U.S., and beautiful barely begins to describe it. It's got some of the luscious scenic views east of the Mississippi. After seeing nothing but concrete barriers these past 48 hours, it's like that first cup of coffee when you're hungover. Everyone shuts their computers and looks out the windows. And as we reach the highest point of the parkway, Madalena puts some music on over the intercom. People get up off their seats, and they stare out the windows at the valleys below. (laughs) They're laughing, joking. Everyone's having a good time. We stop the bus and get out at one of the overlooks. People file out, start taking selfies. Guys, let's take the team picture here. They're running around. People are giving each other hugs. 
Team Daisy actually finds some daisies in the grass. Dude, those are daisies. Yeah, there's a bunch of awesome Some people even ask me to get in their photo with all my recording gear, like a mascot at a baseball game. Yo, yo, come over there, come on. Yeah. A very lame mascot. Eric is the man. With the mic in his hand. Oh, nice. Did he get it? It starts to rain and everyone scatters. I think this is the part of competition shows I never fully grasped when I was watching them as a kid. Yes, they pit people against each other, head to head. But the experiences along the way feel so singular and so high stakes. They may actually do more to bring those people together than push them apart. I mean, how often do you find yourself on the side of a mountain, running through the rain with a bunch of people you just met yesterday, on a bus? It's not exactly Buddhist monks or Paula Abdul, but it still feels pretty special. Coming up. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like accusatory about it. I'm just no, like no. I don't want him to paint you in that. In that, I, I don't know if you, I don't know him. Did I, I, did I say? No, 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 no. And what I'm trying to say is like, like, look, what I'm doing is trying to. I get it now. No, that's not what you meant. Things get tense for Denari when they nominate a CEO. That's after the break. Welcome back. You pull off the Blue Ridge Parkway just outside Asheville, and by 9 p.m. we've stopped for the night. We're at a place called Providence Lodge. It's a retreat center built in 1915 for Methodist pastors. After spending the morning focused on the competition, I wanted to circle back and check in on one team in particular, Denari. Yesterday, Denari was having leadership problems. They had a bunch of big personalities trying to negotiate an idea. But there was one person on the team I really hadn't heard much from, someone quieter, observant. Her name is Colleen Wong. Colleen quit her job as a consultant last week, right before getting on the bus. She's 23 years old, and there have been moments when it seemed like she was being talked over by the rest of her team. She says it's the kind of thing she has to deal with a lot, because she's drawn to ambitious projects and people. But she doesn't always know how or when to assert herself, let alone take the lead. I talked with her outside the lodge. I have a different way of leading. This has come out in, like, past scenarios where I'm usually the one who's facilitating and making sure things get done. But I'm also not a very loud, vocal person. I have a lot of self-doubt. That's something that I'm working on. I, like, physically get tired if I repeat something, like, 10 times and no one is listening to me. And, like, because of my past, when I do speak up, sometimes I have been physically reprimanded for that. So it's hard for me because of my, my culture and my personal experiences to speak up loudly amongst a bunch of bro personalities. You've been reprimanded in the past for having spoken up. This is in your personal life, I imagine? Yeah, there was physical violence. And at one point, that really, really, really took a toll on my own mental health, my academics, my well-being, my, my social life. Colleen says in her teenage years, she experienced significant physical and emotional violence. We can't go into too much detail about it, but it was at the hands of an authority figure. Colleen was a good student, but after the problems began, her grades plummeted. She developed mental health issues. Things have gotten better now, but for several years, it was a very bad situation. That experience has really shaped who I am and like how I see the world and how I see people and experiences and opportunities and suffering. I can see why, like, being in a scenario with three or four pretty loud guys <laughs> or, like, pretty strong personalities, why you wouldn't necessarily naturally think to 
yell back. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do. I can get pretty like aggressive and catty, like if I feel like doing that. But it takes me time to sort of loosen up and like be my genuine self with people. And I learned so much from recovering from all of that and from learning how to grow and like become the person that I want to be. But it takes time for me to get there with the group. Colleen settles into the room she's sharing with her teammate, Ann Gale. There are more than a dozen rooms at the lodge and a big balcony overlooking the yard. There's a spot for a campfire. I head out to the balcony where I bump into Frank and Ash from Denari. Frank and Ash were the two guys dominating the argument in D.C. yesterday, when Denari still didn't know what it was building. We start talking, and they tell me that earlier today, one of the mentors suggested Denari elect a CEO, someone to be a decisive voice. Ash and Frank talked about this with Adam from Cleveland, and the three of them had an idea. Here's Frank. We thought that that was something to consider, and we are, me and Ash and Adam are going to pitch to consider electing leadership, and also we all agreed that Colleen would do a very good job. Colleen Wong, that is. So we will so tell we them. want to talk to them and, and see what they think, you know, talk to talk to Angle and Parker and... Uh, and, and Colleen, all three together, tell them that uh, we think that Colleen would do a good job and that all three of us are on board with that decision and get Parker's and uh, Angle's, like, vote, essentially. What is going to be solved by having this sort of position on the team? We have to do a lot tomorrow in one day, and uh, a lot of us have strong personalities. That's why we're here, and, and we have we have a lot we have stake in this, and we want to do really well. Sometimes we disagree, and I think that it would be useful to have a person who who you think will make a really good decision and who has a good head about uh, you know and it was being the final un- call. Yeah. That person being we think uh, is unbiased. This is Ash, and also honestly. Like to be very, very honest, like we not only do we think Colleen is like qualified as a person, but we I personally speak for myself. Yeah. yeah, but I also know Frank would probably agree with me on this. We we'd like Denari to have a woman for a CEO. Like we yeah. we think this we think is we idea. think that's that's something that we'd like to actively work on. And why is that? Well, just because there's just because you know, tech. like, and and this is something that we could do, and this is someone that we trust. We see that they're they're qualified. She can do a great job. So yeah. you know, all of the, the there's they're all check boxes. Yeah. So why not? So we think it's it's the best move. I think if people heard, there were three men who were strategizing about the potential and future of one of the one of the women on the team. Like it might sound a little funny. Does that like that sound weird to you guys at all? No, I mean, it was the the way that it came about was mostly just that you know Adam thought uh, Colleen was the best choice, and I I agreed. I'm not I'm not know. trying to be I, like accusatory about it. I'm just no, like no, like I, I'm, I'm like imagining this. I have this picture in my head of you guys on the porch, and like and like you guys are the stronger personalities on the team. Like that's totally obvious. And well, I, I don't think we're just, so. So this is this is not a decision. Stuff. Like we we haven't decided. That yeah. this person is going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. We're simply electing to go and tell Colleen, hey, we think that you should take that position. I, I get I get the notion, I get the point, but like I, I don't think there's anything funny about us uh consciously initially just thinking of Colleen as a qualified individual and it happens that she's a woman, honestly. Like that's it did not like 
we weren't first looking for, let's make sure it's a woman, and then let's also find someone who's qualified. That's not how yeah, this no, team Adam operates. just said uh, Colleen would be a good CEO. And after, you know, after quite a while of, like, lots of good reasons why she would do a good job of diffusing and making the right decisions, um, you know, the fact that she's a woman and there are few women in tech as CEOs, as a fact, you know, was brought up. But I don't think that's what... I don't think that's what Ash meant when he said that. You know, I don't think he meant it in, in that in that kind of way. I, mean, I don't think I don't see anything. Wrong I don't want him that. to paint you in that. In that, I don't, I don't know if I don't know him. Did I, I, did I, I say? No, 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 no. And what I'm trying to say is like, like, look, what I'm doing is trying to. I get it now. See, this is exactly why I suggested it. Now, at this moment, Adam walks out onto the porch. He'd been doing something inside, and he tries to get this conversation back on track. When you guys get into it. There's no stopping you. Exactly. So, no, no, we stopped. Though. And so, so, and so, look, look. Making decision every time. Uh, she just wouldn't. Well, she knows it. how to rally people, and so she would be good at managing us. Despite how much I'm pushing back, I do recognize the awkward position they're in. For one, Colleen would be very good in this role, and it makes a lot of sense to suggest her for it. Looked at one way, this is a progressive move. They're elevating a woman into a leadership role. But I think there's something else going on here that. Ash, Frank, and Adam don't totally recognize. They're asking a woman to do a job none of them are fighting for. A job they don't want to, but probably should do themselves. Manage their behavior. Later that night, they offered Colleen the CEO job, and she accepted. It's dark out now. Down in the yard, some people are starting a campfire. Me, on the other hand, my podcast Spidey Sense is tingling, and I hear an opportunity for some of that sweet, sweet nature sound. So I head down the hill to record the summer crickets and katydids. In stereo. They're on the left. They're on the right. They're on the left. They're on the right. It's like being wrapped in a nice warm audio blanket. It's cozy. Almost makes you want to drift off to sleep. Call it a night. Yeah. Me too. So I walk back up to the lodge to turn in. But when I get to the front porch, I see Team Denari huddled there, together, talking. And it looks serious. Everyone's there except one person, Ash. He's asleep inside. People's arms are crossed. They're all standing up. So I walk over and I turn on my mic. This is Angel. It would be very productive for us right now as a group to just sort of come together for the next two minutes. Yeah. Discuss, you know, what we all want from this future. Yeah. And basically discuss how the person who's creating friction, do they have a role here? It takes a minute, but here's what I piece together. There's been some tension between Ash and another member of the team. And last night, he said something that upset this other person. The team won't tell me who it is or what was said, but they feel it's serious enough to warrant this discussion. And they're asking themselves, should Ash even stay with Denari? Here's Angel. And I think this depends on his response to the situation that we bring. I 90% think we have to, we can't just leave him out of this 100%, that we can't just pop, like, be, have a vote, yeah. count out, and just pop in and be like, you're out. 
One of the bus conductors, a guy named AJ, is there, listening to this unfold. He urges some caution. You guys learned something really, really valuable here. And now there's like an opportunity to kind of come together as a group and just deal with it. And I think you guys have a good idea, right? Before you guys deal with it, because it involves another individual. And uh, yes, I and, think and, it's and incredibly with important. feelings and yeah. like, and like there's, there's, feelings, there's, emotions, there's, like, thoughts, a, there's like a nice and sensitive passion. way to approach something like this. Like, there's passion. You're learning that right now. It's friendship, it's relationships, relationship management. You can always cause somebody to help and grow. And what I don't like to see is I don't like to leave anybody behind. Ash is asleep, so they're going to go wake him up and talk to him. The team asked that I turn off the mic and let them do it in private. They told me they'd fill me in later. It's late by now, probably around midnight. So I go to bed, not knowing what things will look like. Tomorrow. Startup's regular host is Lisa Chow. This episode was produced by Bruce Wallace, Luke Malone, Simone Kalanen, Amy Standen, and Max Gibson. Our senior producer is Molly Messick. We're edited by Annie Rose Strasser. I'm Eric Mennel. Our theme song is by Bobby Lord. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. Roll Bus Roll is by Jeffrey Lewis. For full music credits, visit our website, gimletmedia.com startup. Andrew Dunn and Ian Scott mixed the episode. Special thanks to Alex Bloomberg and Emmanuel Barry. To subscribe to Startup, go to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you like to use. And while you're there, I don't know, leave a review. This is just the best podcast ever. Find out more about the show at the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast Startup. Thanks for listening. Back at it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>